2: The year was 2010 and Tucker Carlson was working his ass off. He had just launched a news website called the Daily Caller and in those early days, not everything was going to plan. The traffic numbers weren't where Tucker wanted them. His reporters weren't landing enough scoops to put his site on the map. And for a reason that totally confounded him, Tucker Carlson couldn't for the life of him get Matt Drudge to link to his stories on the Drudge Report. This last part was a significant problem. Tucker launched the Daily Caller on a business model that was reliant on clicks for success, and he saw the Drudge Report, which drove more traffic than any other news aggregator in the world, as his ticket to success.
3: When we first launched it, our hopes were pinned squarely on Drudge. We can get Drudge links. I remember the first one we got. I tried so many times to meet with Matt Drudge, He would absolutely would not meet with me. I called Ann Coulter. You know, I think she probably gets three calls a day from people trying to get meeting with Drudge, but no, not even a bite.
2: Tucker was getting a little desperate. The lack of links from Drudge seemed intentional, as though it was a personal vendetta. Tucker had known Drudge for a long time. What was the deal? At one point, Tucker brought together reporters at the Daily Caller, mostly young, 20-somethings fresh out of college, who were hungry to make a name for themselves in Washington. In a bit of a joke, Tucker told them that he was going to hold a contest— He wanted the reporters to brainstorm and pitch a headline that would most likely be picked up by the Drudge Report. I know all this because I was one of those reporters. And no, I didn't win the contest. Look, Tucker was having a little bit of fun, but it was a sign of how Drudge was very much in the minds of reporters and editors at the time. But nothing worked. Drudge continued to ignore Tucker and the Daily Caller. So one day, Tucker got in his car and drove out of D.C. to Virginia to visit someone who might be able to help. His name was Joe Curl, and he was an editor of The Drudge Report.
3: I went down to a Starbucks in some far suburban part of northern Virginia and sat down with Joe Curl and just point blank said, is there, you know, let's establish some kind of business relationship. You know, is there, I don't know what the parameters of it would be. But is there some way that, you know, we could get a formal relationship, non-publicized, but, you know, where you link to our stuff? He looked at me like it was an FBI sting operation. I'll never forget it. Like I was trying to entrap him or something, which, of course, I wasn't, obviously. But he said to me, you know, I absolutely cannot even have this conversation. Matt wouldn't like it. Matt doesn't do anything like that. He considers it corrupt. I said, well, I'm not suggesting anything corrupt, of course, but... He said, "Nope, Matt would consider that betrayal and corruption. And there's no chance I will even have this conversation with you. And I'm not in a position to make that deal anyway. I was impressed by that. I mean, I was disappointed. Of course, I would love to have reliable drudge links, But he was a purist. My sense is from talking to Drudge and to his employees, he made a lot of money on that site, mostly because he kept his overhead to a minimum had very few employees, and probably his only costs were for bandwidth, effectively. But he made a lot of money, but that was clearly not the point. I mean, he could have made a lot more money than he did by doing deals with me, for example, but he had no interest. He was an artist.
2: Tucker Carlson's story is emblematic for how important the Drudge Report was to news reporters, especially those on the political right. Matt Drudge could single-handedly make or break a website. He was a kingmaker— and people went to extreme lengths to get his attention. In this episode, I'll be talking to journalists across the political spectrum about what Drudge meant for them and the success of their careers. Oh, eventually, Tucker Carlson's Daily Caller did get that Drudge link, and it immediately crashed the site. Stay tuned. This is Finding Matt Drudge. How could the most powerful man in media basically just vanish from public life? From JMW Productions and iHeartMedia, this is Finding Matt Drudge. To get a sense of how important Drudge is and was to political reporters, I traveled to Washington, D.C., a city crawling with journalists. For years, journalists spent a lot of time thinking about how to get their stories on the Drudge Report. I know, I certainly did. I can't tell you how many times I sent my own stories to Matt Drudge in hopes of getting linked. Sometimes it worked, other times it didn't. There was really no science to it, but you could write your headline in a way that he might like. It just speaks to his power in shaping the news during the 2000s. Here's Philip Wegman, White House correspondent for Real Clear Politics.
4: You can't underestimate his reach. And when you're at an outlet where hard work is measured in clicks, best thing you can do is get on the banner and obviously every reporter in bc has his matt drudge aol.com email my trick for the longest time and it worked on a couple different occasions to get stuff on drudge was i downloaded aol instant messenger again and this is probably 2016 through 2018 and i would dm through AOL Instant Messenger, my stories to him. I'm not sure if uh, there's correlation in causation, but it works more than half a dozen times. But uh, you would send a DM through AOL, and occasionally you would make the front page, and that's worth, what, 50,000 to 100,000 concurrence?
2: Reporters often swapped very specific secrets for how to get that drudge link. Drudge developed a reputation as someone who is extremely particular about how he liked to communicate. Here's Carrie Pickett, a political reporter for The Washington Times.
5: I was first told way, way back that when you send your links to him, you send it the link and you just don't bother him after that. Don't try and have a conversation with him. Don't try and bug him after that, because then if you bug him too much then he will just ghost you completely. It's almost like doing like a dead drop and then just leave. Like the soup Nazi, you know? It's, it's like there was always this sort of like uh, procedure. And if you messed up the procedure, your link wouldn't go up. And if you try to pitch him another story for like you know the next three, four, five months, it would... <laughs> it would not go up. So you had to be very, very careful. It was almost like he was very, very sensitive about how you pitched your stories. If there were, like, mistakes in your stories, like I'm talking about typos or grammatical errors, sometimes he wouldn't put it up, and, you know, he'd make excuses like that. You can't get angry with him because then he'll never put you up again. So there'd be, like, things like that, like, don't piss him off because then he'll never link you. Don't do that, you know? So it would just be like... Just put your story there, and then maybe he'll replace it. But don't bitch about it. Your editors were thinking about clicks. It's all about the clicks. And if your stories are getting clicks, then your job is more secure. <laughs> I recall, like, at a lot of places in the past that I've worked at, it was like, so-and-so got a drudeling. Wow, ding, 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 party time. Woo! Aren't you awesome? You know, so it was kind of like more of like a recognition. Someone would like send out like a little siren thing, like, you're so cool, awesomeness, dude, you know.
2: For some reporters, getting that drudge link is not just about clicks, although it's a nice perk. It's also about street cred, especially when reporters are trying to woo conservative sources. Matt Laszlo is a reporter who has covered Capitol Hill for decades. For him, getting drudge links has helped get Republican lawmakers to talk to him.
4: For years, I've always, like, sent him stuff trying to get that, like, drudge boost. A lot of the conservatives I cover see it. And they're like, hey, I saw you on drudge. That gives me street cred with all these Republicans who I want to interview, you know? If I'm in their publication, or, like, if Fox News quotes me, whatever, boom. That makes MTG trust me a little bit more. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yes. Uh, Matt Gaetz makes them trust me a little bit more. um, I think, or I hope.
2: Was there a time when you were checking the Drudge Report a lot?
4: Yeah, yesterday.
2: (laughs) Why why do you check the Drudge Report?
4: (laughs) To see if they pick up my stories. (laughs) That's the only time I check it.
2: Getting on Drudge also meant that TV bookers would see your story and then feature that story, or you, on their national television shows. For lots of reporters, Drudge was a gateway to cable news fame. Here's Ed Henry, a former CNN and Fox News correspondent.
6: If you could get your story featured at the top of Drudge, it, was, it conferred some kind of status in the media landscape, but it also, like every TV booker in the world at CNN or Fox... Red Drudge all day because it was the hottest sight in the world.
2: And if you're really lucky, you'll get FaceTime with Drudge. This almost never happens, especially recently. But it's so special that people remember it decades later. Ed Henry shared a single elevator ride with Drudge in the 1990s, and he still remembers it vividly. Now that's power.
6: I do remember having, like, elevator conversations with him, but like uh, we're both heading up an elevator at the hotel washington or one of those to go to a rooftop party and you'd get 15 seconds with them but honestly none of it was revealing and that it just became it was like this whale you're chasing like he's over there and he's under the water and then there's a spout it really felt like that because there was like a howard hughes quality of where is this guy and who is this guy and he wore the hat and he there was just a lot of mystery around him and
2: we thought it was cool. Ed Henry and Mark Halperin invited Drudge for a drink while he was in Washington many years ago. It did not go as planned.
6: We were like 20-something, we had nothing better going on and we really wanted him to highlight our story. So anyway, I remember a distinct memory that I think Drudge was coming to Washington for the White House Correspondence Dinner and he agreed to meet Mark and I at the Mayflower Hotel for a drink. And we wanted to, like, give him some more of our scoops and just kind of maybe we'll we'll be the guys who finally see this guy and can report back. Like, what's he really like? I don't know why. We wanted to maybe do a profile of him. We just wanted to see him. And at the appointed hour, we sat there and sat there, and he never showed. <laughs> so I, you, you were looking at me like I answered the mystery. Elusive some more literally and we were like kind of oh he'll be here oh and we're telling ourselves you know he'll be here any-. and then we started getting like almost embarrassed like we don't have any clout this guy blew us off and honestly I, I just think he would make drink dates with 15 different people and might go to this one or that one and marches to his own drummer even now right so I don't think he snubbed us I don't think he was being, I think he just, you can't corral the guy, right? And that's part of who he is.
2: Do you know where Matt Drudge is? If you have a great Matt Drudge story that can shed insight into the mysterious mogul and help us on our search, call us at 301-200-2414 and tell us about it. We may even air your message in the final episodes of the show. If you want us to credit you, please say so
0: Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.
3: Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call.
7: at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here.
2: It wasn't just reporters seeking out Drudge. Politicians learned quickly the benefit of having Drudge's ear. At the height of his powers, Drudge was talking to campaigns across the country and even presidential administrations who were trying to shape the content on his site. Mary Madeline was assistant to the president and counselor to the vice president under the George W. Bush administration. As a Bush and Cheney operative, she was regularly in contact with Matt Drudge, sending him scoops, info, and gossip directly from the White House. Among Bush staffers, Madeline, who's married to longtime Clinton aide James Carville, was extremely successful in shaping the narrative on the Drudge Report.
1: I never sent him anything that was bullshit. That's why I think I had such a good record of getting stuff posted there. We did email back and forth a lot. And I, again, that's why I find him an iconically ironic sense of humor because he just was a dry wit.
2: When you were working, let's say, you know, in the White House or something like that, like that's a time when you'd send him stuff to try to change the narrative, to shape the narrative.
1: Yes, absolutely. Or if there was some like... And not just White House, any kind of big announcement, you couldn't get him to shape a story, and I never tried. Like that was not the place to shape a story, and it's better not to shape a story, but just to have facts. He was absolutely the best posting board for getting good facts out there, particularly early on when Cheney had a health incident. The press would go crazy and had him killed, like you know, had him. On death's door all the time, so then I would like, uh, I'd get a statement from the doctor, and then send that to him.
2: Was there people within the White House that it was like their job to send stuff to people like Drudge, or was there a Drudge strategy, or was it just like, oh hey, I you know I knew him at a party, and I'm going to send this to him? Like, was there a an overhead strategy, or was it just kind of a thing you'd kind of think to do?
1: Well, I cannot think of a single person that didn't read them and didn't try to send him stuff. I can remember being in campaigns and the White House where people would come to me and say, You can you call Rush or can you call Drudge? And I think that was predicated on the nature of our relationships, which was predicated on I never really used them except for truth. I did not spin. I mean, believe it or not, I mean, you can spin, but there's an interesting spin in facts. And Drudge and Rush were reserved in my arsenal for getting facts into the narrative, if that makes sense.
2: Political campaigns also relied on Drudge to move the needle in the news cycle. Tim Miller is a longtime Republican campaign operative who worked for John McCain in 2008 and a super PAC that supported Mitt Romney in 2012. He also worked for Jeb Bush in 2016. For years, Miller was in the business of shoveling out what's called opposition research on opposing candidates, or as normal people call it, dirt. And Drudge was a key piece of that
8: strategy. Drudge report was massive um, for a couple of reasons. One, it was, the the Drudge report was the biggest traffic driver um definitely in conservative media outlets but i think also among mainstream media outlets Um, reporters wanted to be on the drudge report you uh so as as somebody who whose job it was to deal with reporters feed them information create build build relationships you know getting having their story show up on the drudge report helped with relationship building with those reporters, right? Because those reporters would get patted on the head by their bosses and their traffic numbers would look good and, and et cetera. So reporters wanted to be on the Drudge Report. Uh, Drudge Report also helped you drive news cycles uh, because the TV producers would watch the Drudge Report. So, you know, if we had a piece of information about a candidate that, you know, we wanted to get more um, attention, right? I, we didn't want it, there just to be one news story about it and then it goes away. You know, you want to start a conversation about it. You want to start a chat or build a narrative, as we say. Uh, Drudge Report was a key part, of that, right? So, you know, if we were trying to, um, you know, really embarrass someone, um, you know, really draw attention to uh, a negative piece of information that came out, uh, you know, we'd work hard to try to get it on Drudge. And then hopefully that would spiral, you know, other outlets and and it would sort of create this um snowballing effect it played a big role in that way you knew everybody was looking at it it was a good way to to make sure a piece of information got injected into you know kind of the political conversation of the day so how do campaigns
2: leverage relationships with drudge do they try to set up a meeting or how do they build these
8: relationships everybody wanted to be on drudges good side he is mysterious um you know he has an aol account that you blind email. We are blindly emailing the Drudge at AOL thing constantly, uh, links. It really is a crapshoot. It was almost like act of God, more than direct lobbying. There was some mystery to it. And Drudge was like a craps table. You know, I mean, you'd be hot and cold, right? Like there would be times where I would be sending stuff through and it was always getting up, right? uh, Onto the site. And so I would then feel more uh, bullish to be able to, you know, tell reporters that we're gonna get we're gonna get the article up onto Drudge, um, and then I mean, literally, I, I I would go. I went years where he, I, I would get nothing. Right. So um, it's it's been a long career of of kind of ups and downs. But my understanding of this with other people is that that has also been a been similar. Like uh, it's just hard to know exactly what is what's driving it. And when you looked at your whole
2: campaign media strategy, you've got the networks, you got the New York Times, you got the locals, you got the bloggers, you know, before Twitter, and now you have Twitter. In the whole ecosystem, uh, where is
8: Drudge? I mean, at the top, I drudge you, I just, depending on, again, placement on the site is important, right? I mean, if it's a banner headline with that little red siren or, you know, it's one of the top headlines, I mean, that is, you know, absolutely what was seen as as one of, if not the most important placement because you knew what it meant downstream. If you can get a prime placement on Drudge and it's something that he's gonna he's gonna leave up there for a while, um, you know that that is going to drive a social media conversation, broadcast media conversation. And so uh, you know it's it's absolutely crucial. There wasn't any other example of where you know, we could get a story placed on a blog and know that people are going to see it. Um, like, the only way to guarantee it was to get that link that was on a blog onto Drudge. Republicans like
2: Tim Miller and Mary Madeline had developed strategies for getting their message to Drudge, someone who at the time was considered to lean more conservative. But it wasn't just Republicans who made efforts to curry his favor. Democrats also had his ear, including one Democratic operative who might have been closer to Drudge than any GOP operative. In our next episode, we'll tell you all about her. This is Finding Matt Drudge. Remember to call us at 301-200-2414 if you have a great tip or a great Matt Drudge story. We'll track down the tips for the final episodes of the show.
0: Nerd wallet. Finance Marter.